We've got a long way to go this NBA season, but after the homestand the Celtics just had, the rest of the league has got to be very concerned. The longest tenured Boston Celtic is stepping up in a big way. We'll talk about the inspired play and leadership of Jalen Brown. Plus, Boston is undefeated at home, but just average on the road. What's in store for the Celtics on the West Coast? Your Monday morning commute might suck, but it's going to suck a whole lot less for Celtic fans inside Lucky's Lounge. Come on in. Let's talk Celtics. It was a perfect week, a perfect homestand for the Boston Celtics. Happy Monday, everybody. Good morning. I'm Captain Ron Flanders, joined by Guillermo Diaz. And Guillermo, you told me this is not 2023. This is a new year, a new team. The Celtics, boy, they're kicking butt and taking names, aren't they? Yes, sir. I told you, Cap, this is a new team. KP and Drew, those additions have been tremendous for this team, and we're seeing it play out this regular season. The Boston Celtics beating the Orlando Magic twice in three days by a combined 34 points. Most recently, Sunday afternoon on Kids Day, the Celtics kitted around with the Magic, beating them 114 to 97. Guillermo, it was the second 17-point win against the Magic. And going into this homestand, the Celtics had five games against the Knicks, Cavaliers and Magic, the only three teams in the NBA who beat the Celtics in the season series last year. The Celtics now, Guillermo, by virtue of their five straight wins against those teams, now have captured the season series against those three teams. And yeah, it's Drew Holiday, it's Kristaps Porzingis, but the entire team looks locked in. Yeah, these guys look really good out there. I had the pleasure of going to the second Cavs game on Thursday and was able to witness it live. I mean, there's just a different energy about this team and we feel it at TD garden. The team was sorry. The the fans were really riled up for that game and got the the team going in that fourth quarter when the Cavs kind of made it tight. But overall, I guess, I mean, this season undefeated at home, 14 and 0, 20 and five. I mean, this, the regular season is just, being steamrolled by these Boston Celtics. The Cavaliers, they're, they're a solid team, and I do think they're going to get better over the course of the season. But the Magic, really coming into Boston Garden, were flying high, and they had given the Boston Celtics their worst loss of the season, a 17-point beatdown the day after Thanksgiving at Amway Center in Orlando. The Magic, by the way, Guillermo, you know, we're 14-0 and at home in Boston. They're 11-1 and in Orlando. And uh, one of those 11 wins was a complete thrashing of the Celtics. So it stood to reason that the Celtics having to play three games in four nights and then another game on Sunday in an early start might slip up against the very physical Magic team. The Magic came into the game fourth in the NBA in points in the paint. and as we talked about on our last show, they have the, the front court, guys like Jonathan Isaac and Paolo Boncaro and Goga Bitadze to give the Celtics a little bit of trouble. And Boston came right back at them in both games. Undersized on Friday night without Kristaps Porzingis and Al Horford. And then on Sunday with both of those guys in the lineup and just really 
beating the Magic at their own game, out physicaling them, uh, and and just really imposing their will on this young Magic team. Yeah, my favorite win of this home stretch would be the Magic game on Friday, where we didn't have Cornette, Al Horford, or Porzingis, and for the team to really rile up and Joe to go with the deep bench as far as Kada, Stevens. V got some minutes. Um, I think Banton was dealing with an injury as well, so he didn't play. But to see the deep bench come in and be able to contribute, I thought Lamar Stevens, both that night and the night against the Cavs, uh, stepped up really well and was actually playing kind of the five at some points uh, as Cornette's out with an abductor injury. But uh, I just like to see that we're going deep into the bench. Those guys are coming in. Brissett. Those guys are coming in and contributing, and there's no love lost. It's, it's kind of still Celtic basketball as we continue on. Next man up. Jalen Brown said it was his favorite win and the most important game, the biggest game for the Celtics so far this season. Stevens did start at the five in that game. Great games by Sam Hauser. You gave the Shamrock sh- uh, show out to Peyton Pritchard who hit six three-pointers in the game. O'Shea Brissett with 11. And uh, Nemius Keda got my unsung hero of the game in 18 minutes. He blocked three shots and really uh, did a good job in the paint to kind of give the Magic something to think about. On Sunday, you know, the Magic averaged 56 points a game in the paint. That's the fourth best in the league. Points in the paint is important, Guillermo, especially for teams like Orlando who – maybe aren't the best three-point shooting team. What would you say the Celtics are out of the 30 teams in the league in terms of scoring in the paint? I'd say we're in the top half. we got to be top 15. The Celtics, Guillermo, are 27th oh, in the wow. league Wow! in points in the paint. <laughs> and, you know, granted, we have the best record in the NBA. So you'd say, well, that's not that important. Well, <laughs> Here are teams 28, 29, and 30. Oh, boy. Portland, <laughs> Chicago, Golden State. So there's something to being able to go down and get points in the paint. And Orlando has that. Paolo Boncaro, boy, I think he's an all-star this year, Guillermo. He's physical. He's smart. He can shoot the three. He can get downhill. He gets to the free throw line. Uh, and he showed that on Sunday. In the first quarter, I think he had 21 points in the first quarter, Guillermo, as the Magic raced out to a 31-27 lead. And it looked like the prophecy was going to be fulfilled, that the Celtics would just run out of gas against a young team. I mean, it's hard to win, as we've talked about. Going into this homestand, the Celtics had only won two of those two-game series out of the 11 that they had played. But uh, in the second quarter, it all changed. And, you know, people will talk about his fourth quarter, but Jalen Brown in the second quarter, he made a big difference. Yeah, I got to watch a little of the second quarter before I started work. And, man, that guy is tremendous. JB is worth that $300 million that you don't like to talk about. But, I mean, he's going – he's using the left that everybody hated on him uh, for, for the playoffs. He's really balling out this season in the last few games. I know 
back and forth. We've texted and talked, but that guy is really showing up uh, the last few games. And I think by him doing so, everybody, everything else just kind of falls into place. And in that second quarter, you know, Tatum had to sub out because of foul trouble and JB just went off. Um, he had a layup where he got kind of got stuck in midair and turned around and gave it to Porzingis, who wasn't even on screen and came out of nowhere and had a great dunk. His dunks are electric. They make TD guard and go nuts. And uh, there was even one play where he hit a three and Joe went off uh, celebrating. I never seen Joe do that during a game. So it's just great to watch JB go off each and every night lately. Yeah, the Sunday game was with the, with the play you're talking about. On Friday night, Jalen had about four dunks that, you know, shattered the ears of anyone within about a five-block radius <laughs> of, of Causeway Street. I mean, it was, it was truly amazing. But the play you're talking about, Guillermo, occurred in the fourth quarter where Jalen Brown hit a three-pointer to force – to basically snap the Magic's run – and Joe Mazzulla, for the first time all season, sort of ran onto the court, pumping his fist, showing emotion. He talked about that after the game. Let's hear that. I think just, I think the players need to see that sometimes. Um, I do, like everybody else, care about winning, and I do have fun. And uh, I just thought it was a moment to show, like, I think we're starting to play what I would call Celtic basketball. Um, from a mentality standpoint, from a toughness standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, and identity, um, reflecting what it means to play like the Celtics. And I think this week we've shown that. Guillermo, I guess the first 24 games, we didn't quite capture that Celtic basketball mantra, but now they've finally achieved it. Joe Mazzulla is hyped about that. Celtic basketball, what does that mean? Well, I mean, over the course of the Celtics history, it has meant teamwork it has meant unity it has meant a running game lately it has meant defense but coach Joe Mazzulla talking about the mentality of the Celtics what do you think he means by that I mean I think it's team basketball I I know we talked about it at some points last year but like moving the ball playing together being available for one another doing the little things set a screen cut die for a ball. It's just those little nuances that really open up the game and, and take the game a long way. I think that's what Celtic basketball is, is when you're doing all the little things to just make it nice, free-flowing, and easy for each other. You know, I think you hit it. And and you know who said that after the game was Paolo Boncaro. Boncaro telling Bobby Manning of CLNS after the game, I think you just look at them and you see how together they play. Not just Jason and Jalen, but Derek White, Drew Holiday, Horford. Those guys give great minutes, great effort on both sides of the ball, and no one does more than they're supposed to, which I think is a huge thing for any good team. Guys got to be willing to play their role and do whatever it takes for the team to win. I think Boston does a great job at that. It's true, Guillermo. I mean, each of these players is not just doing it on defense or on offense, they're doing their role on both sides of the ball. And, you know, last night or yesterday afternoon, the Celtics, they got off to a bad start, at least in terms of containing, containing Boncaro. And Boncaro made 10 of his first 15 shots. He was unstoppable. 
But Drew Holiday, as he always does, said, all right, I'm going to have to take that guy. You know, Guillermo, for this game, the Magic had 11% of their shots blocked. The Celtics blocked 10 shots in this game, and Boncaro was four for his last 15. What a difference a couple quarters make as the Celtics showed their mental toughness to completely turn this game around. Yeah, Tatum had one of those blocks that was on Boncaro. That was tremendous. And then the energy he brings behind his blocks and his his defense that he brings each and every night. I mean, to have two two-way players who are first NBA, all second NBA from last year, and then you bring in former All-Stars, Drew, KP, to go with Mr. Not Top 100, Derek White. I mean... This team just gels together. And as we keep saying, they only getting better. Like, better than what we've seen is just amazing to me. And I'm really excited for these guys. Health is key, right? We saw KP miss some games with the calf. Um, We've had here and there, you know, Derek White missed a couple. Um, But to see these guys on the court together, like you mentioned, not doing too much, not doing too little. They just—it's just a free-flowing game, and any given night, anybody can go off for thirty. So it's not like anybody trying to boost their stats or anything. They just want to win at the end of the day, and that's what we want from them: is continue to win, continue to play with each other, and I think it just carries on onto the bench. And that's why when those guys come out, they're not doing too much and forcing the the um the game to come to them. They're just kind of going with what the game gives them. And that's the greatest basketball to watch. Oh, it certainly is. Uh, A couple more things I I wanted to touch on. On the Friday night game, the Magic did approach their average. They had 52 points in the paint as the Celtics started Lamar Stevens at center. And they didn't have any natural centers except for Namias Keita, who who did an outstanding job in that game. But on Sunday, with the return of Horford and Porzingis, the Celtics outscored the Magic in the paint 44 to 34. They almost cut them. Yeah, they cut them by 40% off of their average. And the Magic just don't have the shooters, especially with Joe Ingles out on Sunday, to make up for that. But, you know, this Magic team, we won't play them again in the regular season, Guillermo, but I would be shocked if this team isn't a playoff team. Because you saw the toughness that they showed. And one of the one of the real embodiments of that was Jalen Suggs, who I thought was going to be going out for a couple of weeks as he ripped up his left hand yeah. on Friday night. He goes into the locker room. You know, I, I don't know. It was like one of those cut me, Mick, you know, shoot me up, whatever kind of <laughs> moments. He comes out with a, you know, my Some pillow tape. taped to his left hand. And, uh, you know, Scalabrini's joking about his – his hand bracketing the the ball, but his shooting hand certainly worked. His dunking hand certainly worked. And the Magic just, they're not backing down. Uh, They they didn't have the talent to match up with the Celtics, but uh, these were quality wins for the Celtics. And in the fourth quarter, I sort of had this feeling. I mean, Jonathan Isaac hit a three to start the fourth to cut it to six. And I thought, well, you know, they could do it. But the Celtics, as a team, you know, five fingers coming together to form a fist. They just refused 
to let this team get back into the game. Yeah, and on Friday, the Celtics were out-rebounded since they were going small. But tonight, since they went back to their normal size and lineups, they out-rebounded the Magic 55-43, to 10 offensive rebounds for both teams. Um, no, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Five fingers working together um, to play great basketball. And along with Suggs, after he taped his hand, he was actually shooting better. Um, and I was also surprised from Sunday's game to see Boncaro hit four threes and he attempted 10 of them um, of the Magic 36. So they tried to kind of keep pace and and shoot threes against the Celtics. But, I mean, not a lot of teams have as, as great shooters as we do where the Celtics made um, 17. 17. Seventeen of their thirty-six, almost fifty percent from three. So that's tremendous to have. Yeah, and of those guys, Jalen Brown five out of eight, Jason Tatum four out of six, Porzingis two out of four, Holiday two out of five, and Al Horford two out of three. Pritchard also hit his only three-point attempt. It was very impressive. I will say this for the Magic: you know they've been doing all of this winning with Goga Batadze as their starting center. Celtics were healthy except for Cornette. They have Wendell Carter Jr., Joe Ingles, and Michael Fultz coming back. So Orlando will be heard from again. I don't know if the Celtics will see them again, but if they do, you can rest assured that the way Jamal Mosley coaches this team, they're going to be a physical, tough team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs. Yeah, they're definitely going to make the playoffs this year. You know, you see Atlanta and Brooklyn and even the Bulls kind of on a down year. Um, and like you said, Mosley's going to coach them hard. I think they're on the up and coming, right? They've been kind of in the Wizards, you know, slumming territory the last few years. They've had great picks. They've put together a decent team. I think they can maybe make some moves. They're still kind of guard heavy to where they can maybe sure up their wing or, you know, maybe get even better size. Uh, but no, Goga, he's been a great addition for them from the Pacers. Um, and he had even a little kerfuffle with Jalen Brown. Uh, but Jalen Brown's not backing down from no one. And uh, it was just great to watch these guys put it all together. It really was. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about number seven, Jalen Brown, the longest tenured Celtic, picking up the leadership mantle for the Celtics. We'll talk JB when we come back next. You're listening to Lucky's Lounge. Stay right there. Um, great defensive effort. I think second, first half, you know, Ben Carroll got out to a hot start. Uh, we stayed with the course. Drew did a great job of slowing them down in the second half, and uh, that, that was everything and helped us get the win. Friday night, you said that first win against these guys was probably the biggest of the season. You now sweep the homestand. What did you learn about your team over this stretch? Um, we just not skipping those steps. We got to take advantage of every single day. You know, it's a tough schedule, back to back into an early game, but we don't make no excuses and we, we just roll with the punches. We're not skipping any steps. He said that a few times in the last week or two. Jalen Brown setting the tone, Guillermo, when Marcus Smart left. We talked about the need for JT and JB to step up as leaders. It's clear that Jalen Brown is doing that. Remember, this is the guy that once said the energy is about to shift. He's like the Stephen Covey of the Boston Celtics. He has these, these sayings and these 
these bumper stickers that the team listens to. And it's really true. Uh, Boston is incredibly focused. These are games that some of them that they would have lost in years past. And Jalen is really not allowing his teammates to take their eye off the prize. Yeah, rolling with the punches, taking what the schedule gives them. Uh, toughest schedule so far by any other team. We talked about it last pod. And, I mean, what else can be said? These guys are five-game homestand. For two weeks, they've been at home. And that's something I was trying to tell you about last pod is, like, this is kind of like a little break for them before, you know, having to go on this West Coast road trip coming up and, you know, missing holidays with family and friends. This was what this this team needed, even dealing with some of the injuries and some of the back-to-back where Al doesn't play and other guys being able to come in and get minutes. We need that now so we know what we're dealing with going into uh, January as, you know, trade season is going to start. And as we kind of hopefully get into February as well with um, buyouts and waivers and things like that. Jalen Brown is really what everybody wanted to talk about after this game. He had 31 points, 17 in the fourth quarter. I really think that the game was won in the second quarter as the Celtics outscored the Magic by 15. Jalen Brown, as JT went to the bench after committing an offensive foul, that sent him to the bench with eight minutes left in the half and the Celtics only up three JB with some of the bench guys had that balloon out to 16 before they went into half with a comfortable 11 point lead. That was where the game was won for me, Guillermo. And it was that pass to Porzingis that you talked about. It was some great defense by the Celtics. And you heard him there praising Drew Holiday for his, Tremendous performance. Holiday blocked three shots on Sunday. Jalen Brown, all year long, has basically been making his own campaign for defensive first team all defense, as the Celtics are fourth in the NBA in defensive rating. And Brown is really, he's hanging his hat on his defense. Offensively, he's been great these last five games. But for the season, his shooting splits are a little bit lower than they've been in the past. His assist numbers are about the same, uh, but he's playing better defensively and he's making the right play at the right time, a lot less forcing the action. And when you're the guy that's been on the team the longest is doing that, everybody else tends to follow suit. Yeah, for me, Drew Holiday, he's I'm, I'm going to start calling him the hound dog because whenever anybody's going off or we need to give, you know, some of the the all-stars on our team a little bit of a break defensively. Just stick the hound dog on them and that player is going to be null and void or have a rough night um, because he's been tremendous for this team. And what he has done for this team in terms of slowing down and and allowing the offense to kind of just flow at times offensively as well. I mean, he's just a great level-headed point guard. Speaking of Jalen, I mean, the last five games during the homestand, he averaged 22.6, 
points, 4.6 assists, a steal a game. He's shooting 55.3 from the field, 35.7 from three, and 90% from free throw. Tremendous. And in the fourth quarter, it seemed like every time the Magic made a big shot, whether it was Boncaro or Mo Wagner hitting a three, Jalen would respond. He, he would hit a three right back. He had an incredible left-handed layup with English where he was, I mean, it was the kind of play that only an elite finisher could make. Then they doubled him. He hit Hauser for a layup. He hit Tatum for a three. He caught a beautiful pass from Al Horford to hit a corner three. His toe was on the line. But 17 points in the fourth quarter, our tweet of the weekend, comes from Bob Ryan, the sports columnist emeritus for the Boston Globe, author of the book Scribe and other books, uh, at Globe Bob Ryan, who tweeted, Jalen Brown had 17 in the fourth quarter today. The game had been in doubt. Will people agree that while he's not perfect, he's pretty damn good, and the Celtics are lucky to have him and stop worrying about his salary? I mean, he's winning over the old guys. He's winning me and Bob Ryan over. Uh, forget about the salary. What is he doing to help this team go toward a championship, Guillermo? Yeah, I love it. This is exactly what we needed from the Jays this year. And unfortunately, we had to move on from Smart, who was the longest tenured Celtic and felt like the locker room leader and the vocal leader. We had to move on from that so that these guys can really um, – blossom into the beautiful uh, butterflies that they've been blossoming into. And they're just leading this pack to great things, 20 and five. And these guys are just playing tremendous basketball and it's being seen vocally amongst the players. And then also when they're playing on the court, you see the dominance and also the strategery amongst one another. <laughs> I didn't know that George W. Bush was a Celtic fan. I thought he was a Mavericks fan. But uh, the strategy definitely involved sacrifice, right? Because as we saw with the 86 Celtics, Bill Walton had to make a sacrifice. Robert Parrish had to make a sacrifice. Kevin McHale had to sacrifice. In 2008, Ray Allen had to make a sacrifice. On this team, when you bring in, you know, 20 field goal attempts a game or whatever it is for Kristaps Porzingis, everybody knew that it was going to be JB that was going to do it. And listen to what Jason Tatum had to say about his partner in crime, Jalen Brown, and what he has meant for the team this season. You know, we all talk about sacrificing, and uh, it's, it's not easy, right? You know, he was... Second team All-NBA last year, averaged 27 points or whatever. Uh, and to kind of take a, I don't want to say a step back, but, you know, obviously in points and things like that and usage or whatever, uh, just to do those, to do all of that so we can have a better chance to win uh, and knowing that we've added, you know, some guys on our team that, uh, you know, can help, help us in those situations. Uh, you know, I think it's going to pay off in the long run. And, you know, uh, being on a great team, you know, I think for us being so close these last two years and, you know, coming up short, uh, we all understand that, you know, we're willing to do whatever it takes uh, to get over that hump, you know, come June. 
Strong words from the Celtics leader there, Guillermo. And it's true, Jalen Brown has sacrificed a great deal, but it, it's kind of contagious. And if you look at this team, from the 2022 NBA Finals losing team, the Eastern Conference Championship team, there's less than half of those players are still there. And all of them have made sacrifices. This year alone, you've seen Al Horford volunteer to go to the bench. Jalen Brown is giving up a lot of shots. And, you know, Cornette has said, I, I don't care if I play or not. It's, you know, when they asked him, well, you're, you're going to move up in the depth chart now that Rob's gone. He said, look, I'll help the team any way I can. I mean, this is really, as Missoula talks about mindset, this really is what exactly what Tatum said. They, they've had the accolades and come up short. Accolades mean nothing. You know, Jason Tatum was handed a meaningless, you know, player of the month trophy before the game yesterday. There's one trophy that matters, and they all have come so close. They know a little bit more about how to get there because they've seen what doesn't work. And I think this homestand, they demonstrated a little bit more of what does. And Jalen Brown is leading by example. Yeah. So since the 22 season, I mean, that was the year we got Derek White midseason for Josh Richardson. And so he was still getting acclimated to the Celtics. Now we're seeing a bigger role for uh, the guys on the bench as far as Pritchard, Hauser, and Cornette. And then we see Al go to the bench and, and strengthen our bench. And, I, I mean, this team, with the additions they made, it's just that Super 6 is really unstoppable when they're healthy. And then if you want to go 9, 10 deep, they can hang right there with you as well. And for our leaders to be talking about sacrifice, stepping up, rolling with the punches, just doing whatever it takes night in and night out, that speaks volumes. And that's just going to translate for to the rest of the team, to the fans. And bring in every night that they're home, undefeated at home, 14-0 at home, five on this current stretch here. And it's just tremendous to regain that home court advantage that we had a few years back that last year and the year before wasn't really, I want to say, noticeable. You know, they played so hard to get top seeding and then would lose at home in the playoffs. And I think now with this team and the way the Celtics fans is bringing it this year, I mean, it's only right to protect the parquet. I know we got some T-shirts rocking that slogan, and I think they're just better at home and feel much better at home. I don't know what it may be, but I just love that they're really protecting home court as of late. Well, they really are. And you've been to more games this season than I have. I've only been to the one, but uh, it's true. The energy is definitely there. Listen, the Celtics had to be embarrassed with their performance at home last season, losing, I think, three games at home in that Miami series mm. and losing a couple against Philadelphia. It's not what Celtic fans have come to expect over the illustrious history of this franchise. But let's talk history for a second. Abby Chin, by the way, uh, 
I my team, the team that I predicted would win that that all-time tournament that NBC Sports Boston did, the 1986 Celtics, they did end up winning that tournament uh, against the 1973 Celtics in six games. Larry Bird was the notional MVP in that series. And after that announcement, Abby Chin pointed out that the 1986 Celtics, Guillermo, they played 41 games, obviously, at home in the regular season and 10 in the playoffs. And out of those 51 games, they won 50 out of 51. Wow. That that is the best in NBA history. That is incredibly dominant. Winning more than 98% of your home games. Okay? But you know what that team did not do? They did not win their first 14 at home. They lost, I think, like their 10th game or something like that against the Portland Trailblazers at Boston Garden, and then they ripped off like 40-something in a row. The greatest home start for the Boston Celtics of all time was the defending champion 1957-1958 Boston Celtics team who won their first 17 home games. So the Celtics are in very good company. By the way, that team did go to the finals, but Bill Russell got badly hurt and uh, they ended up losing to the St. Louis Hawks in the finals. But this kind of home dominance is very rare. If you look around the league, Guillermo, there are a few teams that are very good at home. We just talked about Orlando. They're 11-1 and at Amway Center. They did lose one in Mexico City, which was credited as a home game, but we won't count that. Philadelphia is 10-3. and Milwaukee is 14-2. and so the Magic, you know, second best. Um, out west, the Timberwolves, they're 11-1. and one. They beat us at Target Center. The Clippers are 11-3. and three. The Rockets are 11-1. and one. So there's a lot of teams that are really good, but only the Celtics are perfect so far. Yeah, and I want to touch on the five losses that we've had. Um, I think some are somewhat explainable and and some are you know ones that won't really hang around for much so we lost to the Timberwolves in overtime with Anthony Edwards you know lighting it up in overtime and then we lost to the Sixers two nights later on the road by three points Mm -hmm. then we beat the Sixers the next week on Wednesday then we lost to the Hornets in overtime by three. They felt like that was going to be, you know, their get over the hump. They've lost four in a row as of late, and they're seven and seventeen in the standings. Now that that Hornets lost was sort of. It felt like there was fatigue at play in that. Correct. One. Correct. That was on a back to back on a four game road trip. By the way, the Timberwolves' loss and the Hornets' loss were both overtime games, which I think the Celtics have only played two overtime games, and they're 0-2 in overtime. That is correct. Then the other game was the IST game versus the Magic, where they tried to run it up a little bit, and we saw when the Magic play us in the Garden, they are not our daddies. We spanked them the last two nights. 
I, I will not, those words will not come out of my mouth ever again. Thank you. And the last IST game against the Pacers, it just seemed like the Pacers wanted it more, and that was a 10-point loss. Those are our five losses. What's your takeaway from those five losses being at 20-5 and five right now? Well, you know, I, I, my takeaway is we, we, we should have won the Charlotte game. That was a game yep. where we, we lost a nine-point lead in the last three minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, we were a little bit tired, but we lost focus. Jason Tatum lost focus, got beat back door a couple of times by Gordon Hayward. The team just took their foot off the gas. They were tired, but that was one that we probably should have won. The Pacers' loss was a blessing in disguise. I mean, then we got three games, three days off to come home for a five-game homestand and a chance to play the Knicks. And by beating the Knicks, we've already won that season series. And, you know, the schedule was, you know, not what Philadelphia got because they – they didn't even make the quarterfinals of that tournament, so they got a really easy schedule. But the Celtics, um, you know, you're you're not going to go twenty five and zero. And by the way, last year's Celtic team, we we went into this game yesterday with a record of nineteen and five after our first twenty four games. Last year's team was twenty and four, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been twenty and four three times in their career, so they're used to being. Um, very successful early on in the season. But the one season they went to the finals, they weren't so successful early in the season and they charged late. It's, you know, this is the thing about being a Celtics fan and and just being a basketball fan in general. It's not like being a Patriots fan where you have one game a week. You know, you, you might have four games in a week and it's a roller coaster of emotions. Earlier this season, there were a bunch of idiots talking about Jalen Brown, you know, this and that. Well, you know, or Al Horford had a couple bad games at the start of the season. Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. You got to take a deep – well, I've never – Holiday's the new smart for me. I mean, he can do no wrong. I mean, he might <laughs> he might go two for 12, but he and Derek White are going to impact the game no matter what, whether their shots are falling or not. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you lose a game – Breathe through your nose, take a deep breath, and, and play on. And the Celtics have done that. And all five of those losses were on the road. But this is a, a really impressive run at home. And, you know, I, I often look at the games, you know, the Monday night games or the Tuesday night crowds. Because Friday and Saturday, you know it's going to be jumping at the Garden. Yeah, yeah. Um, a Sunday early game, kids' day, you think, well, maybe they might. No, no, they are determined to make up for what happened in last year's playoffs. Let's talk about the East for a second, okay? Yeah, Because right. yeah, the Celtics have had this dominant run, and, and I, I'm going to amend my statement about the Magic being the third-best <laughs> team in the, in the East. They're still very good. I expect them to make the playoffs. But, uh, you know, Milwaukee last night, took care of the Houston Rockets, cooled them off. I think the Rockets had won like five or six in a row before they played uh, the Bucks, but they lost at Pfizer for them. Bucks beat them fairly easily. They're only a game and a half behind us, Guillermo. Philadelphia is the hottest team in the East, partly by virtue of their schedule. They've won six in a row. 
They have the highest net rating in the NBA. They're three points better than us in net rating. They're only two games behind us. And that's partially because the Celtics have beaten them two in a row. And the Miami Heat are still sticking around. And the Knicks, uh, just behind a 50 spot from Jalen Brunson, just beat a Phoenix team that finally had all three of their stars on the court before Bradley Beal turned his ankle in that game. Pacers are kind of falling off, but I mean, people talk about the Western Conference, Guillermo, but uh, to me, the East looks like the better conference. And the the reason I say that is because Joel Embiid right now is the clear-cut MVP favorite, and the Bucks are everything that people said they were going to be. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, one, I'm not worried about any team with double-digit losses right now. So from the Heat at five to the Knicks at six or the Pacers at seven, I'm not worried about any of those three teams. We just showed the Magic who's their real daddy. and <laughs> I'm never going si- to live that down, am I? No, you're not. <laughs> and so for the Sixers, we already own the season. Um, going two and one against them. I still think when they match up against the Celtics, again, we show them who's daddy and they don't match up well against the Celtics. Their depth doesn't show out and B definitely doesn't show out because he gets locked up by Horford and Drew Holiday. So I'm not really worried about the 76ers. I think they're definitely the third best team in the East as they are now. And then the Bucks, we'll see them January 11th. But I'm, I mean, we played the Bucks already, one and zero against the Bucks. They didn't show up that night, like everybody had talked about. So I'm really not scared of the Bucks either. I still think the Western Conference is better. So I disagree with you there. I think some of these teams who are in the East would struggle if they were out west. Interesting. Well, we we we're, we're going to find out a little bit about that statement. This week, as the Celtics will head out to play four teams in the Pacific Division. We'll talk about that coming up here in a second. But I want to real quick just just talk about what this dominance by the Celtics could portend going forward. There was a little tidbit in the news that a lot of people might not have seen. But this week, Daryl Morey was given a contract extension by the Philadelphia 76ers. He survived the James Harden saga, and yes, the Clippers are playing well, but Philadelphia got deeper, and they're better now than they were last year, and now with the job security and the contract extension, Philadelphia can, they can do one of two things. They have a ton of cap space for next season, but they could dip into that with all of the draft capital they now have and say, look this is Joel's year, we're going to make a move. And they could go out and get a very good player who could become available, whoever that is. If it's Donovan Mitchell, if it's Zach Levine, whoever it is, Philly's in the market, okay? And then Boston and Milwaukee, both, as we've talked about last week, could be in the buyout market. So, you know, teams may say, look, we don't think we can beat Boston based on how they're playing right now. That doesn't mean that they're not going to go out and make a move, Guillermo. Yeah, and I think Philadelphia could be that much better if they do package up 
some of the players and, and draft assets that they have. And if they get a Mitchell or a Levine, that'd be tremendous. But you still need time to gel as a team and be cohesive. And if they do that, they're going to be behind the eight ball with the Celtics. So at the end of the day, yeah, they'll look good on paper. They'll be the third, second best team in the East. They might push to make it to the EFC or ECF, sorry. But at the end of the day, I still don't see any of those teams finding a way to be better than this Boston Celtics team. Fair point. Well, when we come back, we're about to find out how tough the Western Conference really is, or at least the Pacific Division, as the Celtics are getting on the plane to head to California. What lies ahead for the Celtics and what can we expect in the coming week? Guillermo and I will talk about that next. Stay tuned. You're listening to Lucky's Lounge. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge, the home for Celtic fans all over the world. I'm Captain Ron Flanders with Guillermo Diaz here. Guillermo, uh, let's start Lucky's list as we always do. Item number one, the main Celtics. And if you took us up on our challenge, and it looks like some of you did because a good crowd showed up on Saturday for the Lewiston Strong Night up there in Portland. And the Celtics, with some slick blue uniforms with Lewiston on the front, uh, had a pretty tough fight on their hands against the Hawks uh, AAA franchise. They lost 99-91. to But in that game, J.D. Davison, the reigning G League Player of the Week, he had 22 points, 9 assists. And the new guy, Drew Peterson, 10 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. The Celtics losing. They're now 8-6 and six in the G League, and uh, that means they do not qualify for the G League's showcase tournament. Is that right? That is correct. They do not qualify for the showcase. That starts uh, December 19th till the 22nd. I know you love your showcases and your in-season tournament cups. Yeah, well, the bottom line is, uh, you know, we're going to continue to see more Davison, Peterson, and Walsh, and uh, Taylor Funk, and Tony Snell, and those guys. And, and the team is still above 500 and uh, playing pretty well. Item number two, a milestone that has number seven smiling, number eight uh, not smiling. Jalen Brown, in Sunday's game against the Magic, hit five three-pointers which moved him to number three all-time, Guillermo, for the Celtics in terms of three-pointers made, knocking employee number eight, Antoine Walker, down to number four. Pretty pretty big company on a franchise that's got Danny Ainge, Larry Bird, you know, Dana Barrows, a lot of three-point shooters. Jalen, number three. Yeah, that's awesome. And Al Horford uh, will be in the top, I want to say, top eight, leaping over Avery Bradley soon as well. Uh, so to have three current Celtics being the top eight overall all-time and three-pointers made for the Boston Celtics, that's tremendous. Do you have the list in front of you? I do. Okay. Can you, who's, who's one and two on this list? All right. So we have Paul Pierce with 1,823 threes made. He's in first. And then we have second, we have Tatum with 1,142 threes made. Okay, so he's not catching the truth anytime soon, but uh, Tatum had four three-pointers on Sunday, and Tatum and Brown, uh, will we know they're not going to be shy about launching from deep. Speaking <laughs> of launching from deep, 
Steph Curry is our item number three, and this is a guy we're going to see in our next game. And maybe this is not uh, a good thing for the Celtics because Steph Curry, the greatest three-point shooter of all time, he had a, a, a bad note in history, right? Well, tell us what happened there, Guillermo. Yeah, so a couple things to point out. He has now surpassed 3,500 threes. So counting up threes uh, compared to the Celtics threes, he is uh, way double, uh, double, more than double most of uh, the top Celtics in three-pointers made. And then uh, so uh, this past night, 268 days, uh, eight games straight, of a three-pointer is now gone as a streak for Steph Curry. He did not make a three-pointer uh, last night. The The Warriors still won their game against Portland, 118-114. to 114. That's two in a row for, for the Warriors. But think about that, Guillermo. For more than three straight seasons. Yep, since November 8th, 2018. Wow. He made a three-pointer basically every game for the last, what, five years? That Pretty is incredible. Much. And uh, I, I have a hunch that Tuesday night he's going to start another streak, but let's hope the Celtics can keep him in check. He is the guy that you're going to have to stop if you want to beat this Warriors team. Item number four, a couple of guys that we're very familiar with. One, a Jason Tatum frustrator, Dylan Brooks, and our former coach, Ime Adoka, both ejected last night in the closing minutes of the game between the Rockets and the Bucks. Can you tell us about that little exchange? Yeah, it seems like uh, uh, sorry, Brooks was guarding Lillard, and while he was trying to come up court, uh, seems like he kind of bumped Lillard, bumped Brooks out of bounds, and they called a foul on. Brooks and and they called and then they called him for flopping. Correct. They called Brooks for a flop, so he was going to get a flopping technical. Which, by the way, you can get two flopping technicals and you're not ejected. Those are those are not the same as your standard technical foul. But nonetheless, after getting called for the flop, Brooks went off on the official, cussed at him, said some pretty bad things, and uh, we'll see if he can play tonight against the Cavs because he. He faces discipline now. He got tossed, and then Ime stuck up for him, and Coach Udoka got tossed as well. Uh, not the finest hour for the Rockets, Guillermo. Yeah, I mean, I love that they have that fire and passion um, between Brooks, Dylan the villain, and former Celtic coach Udoka, but you got to be locked into the game. There was 38 seconds left. They were down by nine. And uh, you just got to stay locked in and keep your demeanor in that uh, fourth quarter. Item number five, this is an interesting one. We've talked about the W and trying to get a WNBA franchise in Boston. We still kind of have our local team, you could say, is the Connecticut Sun. And it was announced this past week that they're going to get a home game at Boston Garden next season. This could be a preview or a prelude of things to come as Wick Grusbeck tries to get a team in there and he may be paving the way with this home date for the sun. Yeah. I'm hoping to maybe try to attend this. It'll be on August 20th at 7 PM. It's a Tuesday, uh, the Connecticut sun. We don't know who they'll take on yet uh, as the 
schedule hasn't released for them, but uh, that'll be interesting and fun to watch. Now, what was cool about this announcement was that Alyssa Thomas, the best player on the Sun, did a little photo shoot and they had a, a jersey exchange with Thomas and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, a big fan of the WNBA, just like Grant Williams was. And uh, they, they exchanged jerseys. They autographed each other's jerseys. Jalen looked as happy to get her jersey as she was his. And uh, it'll be good to see the Sun. Listen, I mean, a lot of us root for the Sun, even though we don't have a team in Boston. They're the New England team, and it'll be great to see them. The final item on Lucky's list, it's, it's more of a discussion as we look at the week ahead, Guillermo. The Celtics, 14-0 at home. We also talked about Milwaukee and Philadelphia being right on our tail. Let's also point out while we do that, that they also have played more home games than road games, but the Celtics mm. are going out for four now. And when they return, they will actually have played more road games than home games. So this is a huge opportunity for Boston as the, but they're going out to the Pacific division, which, you know, in my opinion has five very solid teams. Tell us about this road trip. Yeah, so they're going back to your birth state, California. Um, they'll be taking on the Warriors Tuesday night. And then a back-to-back -back against the Sacramento Kings on Wednesday. And then Saturday we have a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time game against the Clippers. And then we have Merry Christmas against the Los Angeles Lakers at 5 p.m. You know, if you look at the Western Conference, and Guillermo will say that it's tougher than the East. You know, as I look at it, I'm starting to agree with you a little bit. <laughs> um, the Northwest Division is the power of the West. The Timberwolves, Thunder, and Nuggets, the world champion Nuggets, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then in the Southwest, the healthy Zion Williamson combined with Brandon Ingram and the Mavericks – Pelicans and Mavericks, pretty good. Rockets are nothing to sneeze at. But both of those divisions have teams that are below 400 winning percentage. Jazz, Blazers, Grizzlies, Spurs. The Pacific Division, Guillermo, has five solid teams. The Warriors in a little bit of disarray. But, you know, we know the Suns are going to be contenders. The Lakers are there. And Clippers and Kings are, are – the Kings lead the division – uh, is the Pacific Division the best division in the West? Yes, by far. I mean, it's the more it's the most solid one. We're going to find out here on this trip, and uh, let's talk about the Warriors for a second, okay? Uh, everybody, right now, the story in Golden State is Draymond Green. He did not play last night. He is still under the indefinite suspension of Adam Silver in the league for his 19th career ejection. Again, he followed up the sleeper hold on Gobert with a roundhouse on Yusuf Nurkic. And that that blow that he struck uh, Nurkic with, we don't know what that's going to end up being. I mean, it, I think it's going to be six games or more, but he's missed two games so far. And uh, the Warriors have won both of those games. What we talked about last week was that the fall off for the Warriors wasn't so much Draymond. It was Wiggins and Thompson. Well, last night in Portland, 
Clay Thompson was 11 of 16 shooting. He splashed five threes. And Andrew Wiggins had maybe his best game of the season, 25 points on 9 of 12 shooting. He splashed four threes, Guillermo, um, in, a, in a game that, as we talked about, Steph Curry, 2 for 12 and 0 for 8 from deep. So if those two guys can complement Curry, the Celtics, you know, in a place that they don't normally win, could have some trouble on their hands. Yeah, that was against the lowly Portland Trailblazers. Um, <laughs> but to kind of add to what you were talking about, that was Clay's third 20-plus uh, game in a row straight. Uh, the last three games he's had uh, 30 points against the Clippers in a loss, then 24 against Brooklyn in a win, and then, like you said, 28 tonight or last night versus uh, the Blazers with five threes made. Um, I'm still just not worried about the Warriors. Uh, I think they are going to lack the size going against a fully healthy Celtic roster. They don't, I don't think they'll have an answer for Porzingis, Horford, and even Jason Tatum. Um, so I think they have good guards, but I don't think Looney and Kaminga are going to be able to handle those three. This rookie that they got um, out of Santa Clara, Brandon Podziemski, He's filled in admirably in spots. Uh, he had 10 last night, 10, 5, and 5. Started. Uh, yeah, he, he's been starting. And as far as size goes, they do still, you know, Draymond is out and probably will be out on Tuesday night. But our old friend Kevon Looney, who was so impactful last year in the in our game with them, in our games with them, as, all, as well as the finals where they beat us, he'll still be there. Yeah, I mean, Trey Jackson off the bench has been decent for them. Um, Saric as well brings size and is decent for them. Uh, it'll be a competitive game. I think the Celtics will want to come out and make a name for themselves in terms of, one, playing against the Warriors and just wanting to start out a great road trip um, and bring in the fight to them. So – we're not playing Phoenix, but we're playing everybody else in the Pacific. You're not Correct. concerned. You're not concerned about Golden State. Is there a team here that of the four you think will be the toughest challenge? And and forget about the back to back. Just pretend that we were playing the Kings on a sure. normal rest. Which of those three teams concerns you the most? Okay, it it still is going to be the Kings for me. Yes, the back to back hurts, but I think the Kings have a better matchup when it comes to the Celtics because they have a, a great elite quick point guard in Fox, and then they also have a 1-2, so their 2 is Sabonis in the paint, getting rebounds, setting good screens. And then, I mean, uh, Murray went off for uh, threes the other night. I think he had 40 points the other night. Um, he had 47 points yeah, in that game. so... Uh, they have Malik Monk. Uh, they have hey, some can we good just, players. Can we on just go ahead. talk about Keegan Murray for a second? Sure, sure. Uh, I was watching something the other day where they were asking uh, guys wh who they would uh, like to be, who they'd like to hang out with if they could hang out with a celebrity mm. for a day. Sure. And I, I think it was Keegan Murray. Most of the guys were like, you know, Little Baby, Drake, you know, all sure. these – 
hip hop guys that probably have a vocabulary of about 10 words. <laughs> I think it was Murray that said Barack Obama. I, I was interesting. Just, he, he's not your average NBA player. Yeah. Um, and his draft stock was, I think he played what three or four years at Iowa. Uh, but his, his draft stock was not as high as some of these guys. He's averaging 15 points a game, but in that game the other night, he hit 12 three pointers, Guillermo. Yeah. He was electric that night and they have Barnes and Herder, who is a good shooter as well. And I think Barnes matches up well against the Jays. Uh, so I think just roster put together, I think they compete with the Celtics or they may compete with the Celtics the best. I think the most fun and electrifying game will be the Clipper game because of Paul George, Leonard, Har- uh, Harden, and, and Westbrook and those guys. And, of course, Christmas is going to be special. Um, but I hope we leave a turd on the door of uh, the Lakers. Yeah, doorstep. I hope. I hope Santa puts some coal in their stocking, but right. uh, we will see about that. Uh, one final thing before we go, you know, sure. I spent most of my life in California and mm-hmm. you know, these games, when you're out there, it's like, all right, seven thirty game. You know, I'm, I'm like trying to leave work early, which is hard to do sometimes when you're in the military to watch a game at four o'clock or four thirty when they're playing on the East coast, but when they're on the West coast, it's like, all right, seven 30, I finally get to kind of work a full day and all this stuff. And, uh, and probably a lot of my former supervisors are shaking their head right now if they're listening, <laughs> but you out there in Boston, I mean, I'm one hour behind you here in Nebraska, Yeah, but you out there in Boston as uh, these Celtics games are starting at what? 10, 10 30. Yes. Uh, I mean, the diehards are staying up for these, but some people, they can't, right? I mean, they, they got to be up at five in the morning or whatever the case may be. This Celtics team, though, they're kind of must-see TV. I, I think this week we're going to see a lot of groggy people in New England. Well, what's good about it is the first two games, so the back-to-back will be at 10, and then the other two are somewhat early, um, 3.30 against the Clippers and 5 against the Lakers. But listen, I was waking up at 2 and 4 a.m. when I was in Europe to watch my Celtics. Uh, so no matter what time they play, I'm going to wake up and watch them. Yeah, when I lived in Japan, the games would come on at like 8 in the morning. And my office was, you know, my back was to the wall and I was facing all of my guys. So I had them on my, I had League Pass on my computer and they couldn't see what I was looking at, you know. But I'd be, I'd be trying to work and watch the Celtics, and I'd work during timeouts and stuff. And I'm probably going to get kicked out of the Navy if anybody ever <laughs> listens to this podcast. Um, but you know, and and I travel a lot in my work, so it depends on what country I'm in. It's like you. I mean, I I'm going to watch them. I don't care. I'll. You can sleep when you're dead, right? Yes. Celtic basketball comes first. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, we enjoyed having you in our first ever Monday podcast. We hope you have a great week and and we hope you stay up with us to watch the Celtics on Tuesday and Wednesday night. And we will be burning the midnight oil to bring you a show on Thursday morning. Guillermo, final words as the Celtics currently 14 and 0 at home and hitting the road. Yeah, I called uh, going 3 and 0 and sweeping this homestand. 
I'm not gonna call going four and zero in the West, but I'm I'm gonna call going three and one, and uh, the boys having a good trip this this Western Conference trip. Well, you know, I I'm not gonna call anything either. As you know, it would be great to have a winning road trip. <laughs> it would be great to have a winning road trip, and it would be great to get wins against certain teams. And yes. I'll just leave it at that. Yes. For Guillermo Diaz, I'm the captain, Ron Flanders. We will see you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to Lucky's Lounge. Get that Christmas shopping done. We'll see you on Thursday. Have a great week.